you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of your career and life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am excited that you are here for another interview about owning your career. And this one is about your job search, career planning, really thinking about things differently when it comes to planning your career. And my guest on today's episode is my friend Diana Alt, who is a coach and speaker in the career space. Uh, she does a lot of one-on-one coaching with people who are looking for their next career. Uh, she does career planning, job searches, uh, new manager leader development, and professional network development as well. Uh, Diana and I connected uh, through some mutual friends on social media, and then when I found out she was a career coach, I invited her to do a live interview on LinkedIn uh, as part of my interview series that I started once COVID put us in lockdown last year in April of 2020. So just a note on this, this is an interview that was recorded live on LinkedIn, so you might hear some questions that come in. The audio may not be quite as good, uh, but the uh, quality of the conversation, I think, is phenomenal, and Diana has some great tips to share on thinking about your own uh, career and how do you approach maybe a new job search or when the market is tough, what do you do? And I think as we publish this in May of 2021, that the market is changing a lot. It's starting to open up. There's a lot more opportunities out there, but there are still some industries that are that are quite tough uh, and that are still uh, you know, not hiring a ton. And I don't know where you are, but I hope that this interview gives you some ideas, some inspiration. Um, and if you want to work more with Diana, of course, you can reach out to her on LinkedIn where she's quite active. Her website is dianaalt.com. And of course, if you want to find out more information about my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, and get some of our bonus resources, you can get those by going to ownyourcareerownyourlife.com. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Diana Alt about thinking through your career, especially in challenging times. So I am live with Diana Alt, who is a recovering corporate wonk who has been helping people take control over their careers for about five years and I am all about helping people take control of their careers, take control of their life, stop drifting, achieve goals. And I know you're about that as well. So, yeah. Diana, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Andy. This is really cool. I love how the world works with networking. Um, and I get, a, I get a giggle out of the fact that it seems like people know each other whenever they do these lives, but I met you five minutes ago. So <laughs> this is true. Well, at least face to face. At least right? so we we got connected. Uh, I think on Facebook through our mutual friend Terry Weaver. Yeah. Um, and uh, I met him at a conference last year. You heard him on a podcast and joined his mastermind, and then he connected us, and we've been interacting. I know you've watched some of my other interviews, and um, I appreciate the support and. Uh, when I heard that you do career coaching, I was like, oh, I need to have you on. This is going to be oh, great. Yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, what do you do and, and how did you get to where you are? You know, it's, uh, I do a lot of things. I'm, I have a low attention span sometimes I like to say, but. You have that in common. Yep. Yeah. No kidding. I spent 20 years of my career in IT. So um, I went to engineering school. I started my IT career right around the tech rec and, um, 18 months before the tech wreck is when I started my beautiful career in information technology. And what's, what's the tech wreck? 
the tech wreck, like 1999 internet, internet bust. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was, that was like 2001. Are you a baby? Are you young? (laughs) Not a baby. I may have been in college during that time. Yeah. So, um, it was, I graduated from college and with my master's in 1999 and went straight in or sorry, 98. Gosh, I don't, I am getting old when I can't even remember. But uh, yeah, I went into IT consulting right during the whole Y2K thing um, and really enjoyed it because it married up right brain and left brain stuff. I went to an engineering school where I joked that I was the most right brain person there because I was in extracurricular activities and people stuff as well as my school stuff. Um, but I meandered around in information technology, did some development, quality assurance, um, project management, and I landed in product management about nine or 10 years ago, which I love because it married up business and it marries up business and technology really well. And it's all about solutions if you do it right. And around that same time, I started finding that I could help advise people on job searches. So at that point, I, I started in product management kind of while the country was coming out of the 2008 financial rec recession as opposed to the tech rec recession. And I just like helping people. I always have. So I started trying to help them have confidence about looking for jobs. And this is just friends and family and people in professional organizations. And eventually it occurred to me that this is actually something you could get paid for. So I started it as a side hustle and would have just a couple clients at a time. But over that period, I was learning more about marketing, business, and product management. Right at the same time, I was becoming more impassioned, more passionate about helping people take control of their careers. So to me, it's all the same thing. Product management for software and product management for a human. It's the same thing. So. Yeah. Interesting perspective. So I, coincidentally, yeah. I got into uh, product management uh, in the mid-2000s as well for a big insurance company. So a little bit different. Um, yeah. I, was, I was a bit bored by it before I got into consulting and then eventually found my way to what I'm doing now and getting into helping people with their careers. So I'm curious, um, first of all, so you, you started to build this business, you know, coaching business, helping people with their careers. I noticed in your LinkedIn headline, and I kind of copied that over to the headline on this, that you put that you are a human whisperer which I've never seen that before. I've heard of the dog whisperer. So tell me, what does that mean, human whisperer? So it's it's funny. Um, and actually, my cousin Alicia dropped that one on me, um, who also is kind of the Terry Weaver tribe. But basically, I have a talent for poking at things from a different perspective, and it often helps people get insights. I also enjoy playing with LinkedIn headlines because there's so many different things you can do with them. Yep. And I don't know, maybe a couple months ago, after some, after I had heard that human whisperer kind of jokingly said about me a couple times, I decided to drop it on my LinkedIn headline and just see if anybody noticed. And it turned out you noticed. So I like it. I did. And so you you said it's about kind of poking the the box, if you will, whatever. Basically, like pr- probing and asking those deeper yeah. questions to really understand yeah. what's going on. The, my biggest thing about working with people on their careers. Um, Anybody, anybody that has been in the workforce for any amount of time should probably understand that if your work life goes to heck, a lot of times your entire life feels like it's going to heck. So they're very tightly integrated because you spend so much time on work. But 
the top thing that I would see all throughout my whole career is people feeling disempowered. And I just couldn't handle it. I was, I was raised to be self-sufficient, use my talents, use my gifts. I've always been very cerebral. I can overanalyze with the best of them. And so what I really enjoy doing is taking someone that feels trapped in their position, whether it's trapped by golden handcuffs because they make a lot of money, trapped because they don't know what else to do, trapped because they like their work, but they don't like the boss, and just mm-hmm. looking at, at what's going on, figuring out why they feel trapped and trying to get them aligned to the, a path that takes them somewhere better. So if you, I, I love that. And I think it's so important. Um, if you think about the people you've talked to that feel trapped is, and maybe it's, it's probably always a different situation, but you, would you say that most of the time it's something that they created because they haven't had the, the tough conversations or really figured out what they want to do? Or is a lot of it because the organizations they're in are not really giving them options or, or, you know, kind of trapping them in a certain career? I really see three key themes in being in feeling trapped. And most of the people I work with, my my key niche is really people like us. It's like mm-hmm. late 30s to early 50s, you've been working 10, 15, 20 years. And a lot of times people are okay with their work. They're okay, but they're just kind of going, is this all? Like, is this yeah. all? It's not enough to be okay. It's not enough to just be okay. Um, But the three main themes are, is the work right itself, is the actual work right. Like I would not be suited to a lot of different types of work. So I can't do jobs personally where you do the same thing all the time, all day. Me either. Can't do it. Um, So it's either the work isn't right itself, their boss isn't right. You know, they're working for a leader that they don't gel with. It's a bad manager, something like that. It's that relationship is broken somehow. Yep. And the third thing is, is what I call environment. So you could be perfectly happy being a software developer. I work with a lot of IT people because I have credibility since I came from that world. Yep. Um, but you're in a startup and you are working 80 hours a week. Even if your boss is great, that's just not the right kind of environment for you. Mm-hmm or there's cultural things. So those are the three themes. Most people have at least two of them. Hmm. If they have only one of them, a lot of times they can figure out how to pivot. If they have only one of them and they like their company, they can figure out how to pivot. You know, Oh, I'm going to transfer to this team. So I don't have to work for that crazy guy that I don't know with. I can work with somebody to get along with. Yeah. I leave that angry boss. The company's great. They like the idea of the job, but the boss, what about it? It seems like that's a lot of responsibility put on. uh, I I get it. Like I've been in, I've been in those positions. I've had the job that was not a good fit for me. Um, Like I said, I was a product manager. It was a lot of repetitive stuff. Not a good fit for me. Yeah. Boss. It was not a good fit. I've had a lot of bad managers. Yeah. Um, And I've been in the environment that wasn't a good fit for me, but I've also had those experiences where things were a good fit. But a lot of times, some of the time the job wasn't a right, a good fit because I didn't know what I wanted and I accepted it because I didn't really know who I was and what I was good at and what I would enjoy. So do you find there's a lot of people that they got themselves into that position because they just don't even know themselves. I just, I have had, I have, I had two new clients this week that I had like one I had the second session with and another one I had the first session with. And both of them said some flavor of, I got the safe degree. I took the path that I was 
it's supposed to take. I got the good job and now this is not working Mm -hmm. all the time. So a lot of times people don't know or their interests have shifted. Like I had a very, when I was in 2009, when I was 34 years old, um, I'd been married for two and a half years and my husband died of brain cancer, Mm. which is like quite the life curveball to have thrown at you for, you know, when you're 34 years old. Um, And it was actually, it was like, I got wisdom at a very young age about life is short Yeah, because I had followed some safe paths along the way too. I'd managed to stumble in a lot of work situations that were interesting, but people just follow a path that they feel like is going to be safe. And then they find out that it's unfulfilling. And in some cases they know what they want to do. And in some cases they don't know what what they want to do. Whether you want to put that on society or whether you want to put that on the individual, I don't think it matters. What matters, you could psychoanalyze all day. What matters is trying to figure out what does light you on fire. What is interesting to you? How right. can we? How can yeah. we figure out how to get you there? So, right. what energizes you? And then you can start to figure out: Are you in the right place, or should you maybe looking for something else? Yeah, yeah. It was re- you. You interviewed a week or two ago. You interviewed Carrie Twig, and she oh, yeah. talked about the whole career stories method that she uses and all right. of that. And you know, if you're in the type of product management I do, I'm in software, which is much more complex. Like you probably would have been a lot happier being a software product manager than a life yeah. insurance product manager. But storytelling is key when you're in software product management. If you work in an agile development environment like I have for years, they literally call the requirements user stories. You are telling mm. the story of the user. So I've been doing storytelling things with my clients for a long time, which is why I'm kind of a little bit of a Carrie Twig nerd. Nice. And I love combining um, the concept of what story, what are your stories of your success or your stories you felt in flow with things like StrengthsFinder, because I'm also a huge StrengthsFinder geek. So mm. the pro- process I've been using with some of my clients to help them uncover where the, where were you the happiest and why is to not just go through what are those stories of where you were in flow, but actually have them take that strengths finder assessment and say, well, your top five strengths, what were you using here? And of the jobs that you didn't like, is it because nothing was playing to your strengths? You were always, you know, in that space of uncomfortable or not my top, not my top strengths or skills. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I have a related question that that's coming up from somebody. Um, I want to give a couple of shout outs because you do have some people that have been tuning in. Alicia Nelson, who you mentioned, uh, my friend and business partner, Bennett Phillips, uh, said that he loved the idea of a human whisperer. Who uh, said that? Uh, my, my business partner, Bennett Phillips, who, who commented on Facebook. We got a comment on LinkedIn from uh, Liam Darmondy, who said, what's up, Andy Storch and Diane Alt. Nice. And I got a question from Kevin Dawson. Uh, and my network who said, what would you say to someone who has had someone in a position of management tell them they aren't credible because they don't have the credentials, but has built up a large network that is asking them to share their experience and thoughts? So the way I translate that related to your last question is, what if you realize that you are strong at something and that's kind of being reinforced by your external network, but your company or your manager doesn't really recognize or reward that strength? I would, oh, it depends on whether I'm playing to my Enneagram 8 Mark Cuban Maverick side or if I'm like toning it down a little bit. 
Um, for me, who's a contrarian, I feel like that's the next little title I'm going to try in my LinkedIn headline. I would probably say, what is it that bothers you about the fact that people are coming to me, even if I don't have an MBA or 27,000 letters behind my name of all the certifications? And um, and then actually listen. So I've, I've got a little side of snark that almost always comes along with pretty much everything that I do. But I would ask that question, but I'd, I'd be very prepared to listen because sometimes we don't know as much as we think we know. I mean, in the middle of this whole Corona crazy, hmm. we have people that think that suddenly they're virologists. <laughs> right. We have a lot of people that think that they understand data. And fun fact, I actually understand data. I worked in yeah. data analytics for many years. So um, I would be asking, like, what is it that, that bothers you about that? It could be that they know things that you don't know. It's like, look, you're getting there. You are getting a following, but it's irresponsible for you to mouth off too much about X, Y, Z without learning more about it. Hmm. Uh, it could be they're simply threatened by you. And if you have that situation, you may be in that, you know, oh my gosh, I have a mismatch with my boss. But credentials, to me, I'm not impressed by credentials. I work in, I've worked in the IT space for so long where a couple thousand dollars in two days of your time can buy you any set of three letters to tack behind your name. Right. Um, it's overrated. Experience and talent matter a lot more to me. So I'd be yeah. asking why. But what if, uh, you know, to kind of add to that, I would say, if you figure out a strength and you know you're good at it and it's something you enjoy it and you could even add value to an organization, maybe doing more of it, but your boss just doesn't care, doesn't want any of it. And I've been in that experience when I was a product manager for an insurance company. I started to realize that I'm really good at building relationships. I'm good at being on stage, facilitating things like that. And my boss is like, no, stay at your desk and stay, you know, stick in spreadsheets. I don't want you out there talking to people. Right. So he kind of like reined me in. And eventually I left and found another job where I was able to get up on and be and run workshops all the time. And I loved it, but yeah. they could have taken more advantage of that. It's a good, it's a good question. Like not everybody's going to get you. And one of the big reasons I have been for decades, like almost since the very beginning of the, my career, cause I got laid off, you know, two years into my career when there was a glut of IT people. So I had to figure out quickly hmm. how to advocate for myself. I've always been of the opinion, it is my job to develop my career, not somebody else's. And what happens with companies that like to tout, oh, we have all this career development for you. They are developing your career in the way that makes sense for the company, not for you. Which, right. you know, that's, that's fine. That's their job. But you have to recognize that they might be trying to put you down a path that's not right for you. So you have two choices. One is to do what you did. And if there's if it's intractable, you have to go find another opportunity. Right. I often run across people that are portfolio life kind of people. You know, they have lots of different interests. So it's not that they're miserable with the job that they're in. It's just that they want to try some other new skills. And that's where a lot of times the side hustle, the getting involved in the professional organizations, the doing something on the side um, to try to scratch that itch is something that I recommend. It's also a lower risk way to figure out if you want to do something. Like I wouldn't recommend to anybody that they quit their job and go try to be a public speaker full time. That is a long, long road. Yep. And you know, I've done some public speaking. I enjoy it, but I've done I've done a few gigs 
it's not enough to go quit a job over. It yeah. is enough to know how much I want to do in right. the short term. So you kind of figure out how to go develop that. And sometimes when management sees that you've spent time developing a skill on the side, they'll start to change their tune as well. Mm. So yeah, that's right. People, yeah. You invest your own time and money into it maybe, or you find a way to do it as a side project and prove value and say, look, yeah. I've been doing this and it's actually adding value to the organization. Mm -hmm. Like say you decided you wanted to be a career coach, but you wanted to, you like the company you work for. It wasn't part of your role, but you just started coaching peers on the side and then by, you know, you start reducing attrition. They've got, hopefully they notice and say, Hey, this is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, and you know, what's funny about career coaching is I've never really wanted to do it in a corporate setting, but there's some other things like I enjoy doing workshop facilitation too. Mm -hmm. um, I've done that related to anything from communication processes and, you know, team building type stuff through trying to figure out large complex product designs. But um, I had people figure out, oh, she does this. She, she teaches classes at the junior college in product management or in agile software development. Maybe that means we can use some of that knowledge and skills within our group. So I definitely have done that before. Where I kind of became a de facto trainer. <laughs> we, we got another question in here. It's, it's a little complex. I hope that I can understand this from uh, Vitor uh, Mayura. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Vitor, who's joining us from Brazil who said, how would you frame a development actions recommendation according to the 70-20-10 model as a, devel a deployment of the five main strengths from Gallup's assessment? Wow. So, are you familiar <laughs> with the 70-20-10? I'm not familiar with that because my I'm not a, like, I don't know that very well. Are you familiar with that model? Yeah, so in the talent development world, um, there's kind of this theory that people should get 70% of their learning from um, on the job experience uh, 20% from uh, learning from others, I believe, and 10% from the classroom. Okay. Um, so it's kind of this way to push back and say, hey, we don't want people are, they're not going to learn all the time in the classroom. They need to get real experience. So he's saying, you know, how do you reconcile, you know, that with, um, and the deployment of the five main strengths from Gallup's assessment? I'm not quite sure, but basically like, I guess, how do you go and get the right experience to help you still grow your career once you know what you want to get better at? Oh man, that is a really, that's a, that's a very meaty question for like a Facebook and a LinkedIn live. <laughs> um, but I go back to, I go back to really everything that I've done in my career, whether it's in the career coaching space, product management or other things, there's always a gap analysis type of type of thing that you have to do. You got to figure out here's where I'm at. Here's the things that I want to do. So for example, if you find that you have a great, uh, a, a great strength, one of your top five Gallup strengths is connect connectedness, which has to do with trying to make sure that everyone under understands the value that they bring to the table, trying to bring people together. It's really similar to the Gallup strength of woo, which is tightly related to networking. I love woo. Um, I was always, honestly surprised woo is not in my top five the last time I took the test. But basically, what are you doing? What are your opportunities? What is that itch that you want to scratch? Being more connected, doing more networking, and then looking for opportunities to do it and asking other people. I love to go find someone that seems like they're good at what I want to be when I grow up. Right. So, yeah. I mean, 
by the mentors. Torch guy has a podcast about talent development and becoming awesome. So right. uh, I don't do that kind of thing yet. Maybe I want to, and I want to go learn from you. How do you do it? How did you get started? What's your best practices? And then figure out, you know, is there room for me to do that in this environment? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Then it goes back to that whole conversation we were having earlier about if you like your work, but you're not getting to scratch your itch, do you figure out something to do on the side to scratch the itch? So, yeah. And I love that whole idea of go out and talk to people, do informational interviews. It's, mm -hmm. it's classic. It's not something that has changed and yet it's still underrated as always. When I was, uh, and I, I've told the story before and I write about it in, in the book that I'm writing now for this purpose, that when I was graduating from business school, uh, I still wasn't sure what the heck I wanted to do. And so I just started sending emails to alumni uh, from the school and the database and that were doing jobs that I thought I might want, asking them if I could you know, have a phone call or have a coffee, thinking maybe half of them might say yes. And they all said yes, 100%. And I had like 30 conversations with people and I learned so much about jobs in finance and marketing and HR and these jobs that I was considering, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. So I would just call them and, and they would tell me about it um, so that I could help figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah. I, I, I think it's so important to do that. And I've, uh, it's weird. I'm an introvert in the sense that I need to recharge, like a yeah. long time to recharge, but I love connecting with people in that way. And a few years back, I took a product management training class from a company called uh, the Pragmatic Institute and Pragmatic Marketing was the series of product management classes. And they had a bunch of slightly quirky, snarky little sayings that went along with product management since it's not a very well understood discipline. And one of them was your opinion, while interesting, is irrelevant. <laughs> huh. Which is kind of the, the press for the product manager. You might think that feature would be cool, but does it actually solve the problem that somebody wants to solve? Yeah. Um, same kind of thing happens within our careers. We might think that we need to have an MBA in order to be considered for something, but it's possible that there's another path. You might think that the PMP certification is the holy grail that says that you are the best project manager in the history of project managers, but there's actually more to it than that. You can go find that out. So, Yeah, so true. Um, so really interesting stuff. And you talked about having a superpower in giving people a different perspective um, earlier. And that's something you put in the, the note to me when we booked this. Yeah. So I wonder if you could give me an example of that. Maybe someone you've worked with or just someone that hasn't wasn't really thinking of something and you help them see things from a different way. Um, because I, I just want to give people inspiration to maybe think a little bit differently about their career and, and where they're going. Oh man, that's, a, that's, I feel like I've seen that quite a lot. Um, one of my very, very first people that I ever coached is a guy named Bobby Pierce. And I met Bobby when I was teaching some business analysis classes at Johnson County Community College, just their continuing ed department, a few days of classes in this area. And Bobby was working at a retirement community as an IT site manager. So he was sort of in an infrastructure slash service role. Um, and he was making not nearly enough money for what he was doing. But he thought that the way career progression happened was maybe he tried to get promoted to manager or maybe he tried to get like a 10% raise, 
or something like that. And what we worked through and realized is that his company didn't value the skill sets that he wanted to pursue. And we also went through and looked, did salary research and figured out, no, buddy, for the experience that you have, you should be making at least 50% more. And it was a complete mind blowing thing for him. Because a lot of people in our age range, we change our jobs a lot, but our parents didn't. My mm-hmm. parents were at the same place for decades, in the same profession for decades. And they actually were in education where, you know, your salary was a matter of public record. Very different from the corporate world that we work in. So when I worked with Bobby, we went through all of this and he started to believe that, yes, I need to make a move to another company, which was a hard decision. One of his early career moves. And yes, I am worth more. And yes, I can. I have aptitudes to do these things. And he ended up getting a project management job, making like 60 or 70% more. And his whole career trajectory, the last five or six years since then has been completely different than if he just would have stayed there trying to get the supervisor job or the senior this and the 8% raise because now I'm the director whatever. So. I hope you got a testimonial from that guy and did a case study because uh, yeah, yeah. the ROI on whatever he paid you for coaching, I, yeah. I got to assume it's pretty high. That was pretty early on too. He didn't pay me very much. So um, yeah, the, R- the ROI was good. But the thing that was the most satisfying for me is watching his confidence over over the years. He's he's a guy that every year or two, we always just still do another session. We just check in on, on what's going on. Are you still on the right path? Yeah. But yeah. He didn't, he didn't necessarily believe when I first got a hold of him that he could make a leap like that. Mm. One of the stories you get told, we get told a lot of stories about paying our dues. Mm. And I don't think anyone should expect to get a, you know, not everybody can expect to just get a 60% raise right out the gate. when right. I go get another job. That's, that's sort of a, a unicorn kind of thing to happen, but we don't have to be in the lockstep of the path. Our companies think that we, should be programmed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's something to be said for, you know, pay your dues, do some work, learn a skill, but a lot of times people stay too long. Right. Um, the flip side is I think a lot of people also uh, leave jobs too early because they get frustrated and they haven't really taken the time to figure out what it is exactly that they want to do and then go have that conversation with their managers or, mm-hmm. or you know, mentor or something like that. So um, as we go to kind of wind this down, when you think about the idea of taking ownership of your career. I know we're very aligned on this. You know, what is something that people can do to take more ownership so they have a lot more clarity on where they want to go and they can start to have those conversations, make decisions easier? Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite things to do is to think about what you enjoy when you're not working. Because a lot of time that tells you a lot about what is missing from your work or what is a skill that you could go and develop and and move forward. So um, in my last job before, I work for myself full time now doing doing some IT and product management consulting as well as my career coaching stuff. And what I figured out is that I was really enjoying just advising people on how to make life better or how to make their product better. And so that was part of my day-to-day job, but it wasn't my full job. And I think that if there hadn't been some leadership changes and some different things where it was just time to go scratch my, I want to be an entrepreneur itch, 
I could have figured out, hey, VP of product or leader in another business unit of my company, what can I do to be more strategic? And I would have gone and talked to people and figured out how to chart that path. But I would, for fun, read books about marketing and strategy and personal development, which told me a lot about that's where I need to start taking my work life. Mm, okay. Yeah. So uh, start to really look at what do you enjoy doing? Where are you spending your time outside of work? Where's the misalignment? And what kind of work could you be doing that would be more in line with what gets you excited or what you enjoy doing? Yeah. I actually have started um, taking a lot of my clients through a worksheet. It sounds woo-woo to some people, but I think it's actually really important. And I try to do it in a way that isn't quite so, you know, crystals and incense since most of my my job market, my market doesn't really um, yeah. with that. But I have a worksheet where I take people through a set of questions to try to help them figure out what's your purpose and how do you express it. And some people need it more than others, you know, uh, but I kind of enjoy that because it helps them figure out is the work right. That's mm -hmm. the big three that I told you earlier. Is yep. the work right or is it the environment or your boss? And if they can go through this kind of purpose exercise and it's way different, we have a lot of work to do to figure out what is the right kind of work. Sometimes you do that and it's right in the right lane, right in the correct lane. But if it's not, you know, we've got to go do some digging. We've got to figure out what the right kind of jobs are. Absolutely. Um, I, I wrote about that in my book as well. It's just so important to understand like what is, you know, your purpose, your values, where do you want to go with your career? Where do you want to go with your life? And then as you bring that all together and you gain more self-awareness about what you enjoy doing, where you want to go, uh, that can guide you in having those conversations with your manager or the next job or career change that you look for, or just making that decision when those opportunities come your way, uh, mm -hmm. or giving that guidance to your coach when you hire Diana or another person to help coach you in making the right career decision. Yeah. And it's really one of the reasons I hadn't even thought about this in years until recently. Um, but when my husband got sick, he was actually contemplating changing from being a computer programmer to studying psychology. So he had been going a few years before I really started doubling down on this coaching stuff. This person who was my who was my favorite person in the world was having this exact identity crisis, and he was trying to figure out what to do with it. And he had started taking intro psychology classes, and that's pretty different. <laughs> being a programmer and being a psychologist are pretty different in many ways. So um, I think it's I, I think it's great that he wanted to do that. And I don't think it's great he didn't get to finish it, but I think it's great that he identified that need and started going forward. And it had more of an impact on why this stuff is so important to me than I realized until someone asked me about it recently. So, well, I I love that you're doing the work that you're doing now, and it, it to me it sounds like you're honoring him uh, and his legacy and being able to go out and do that and help other people make that that pivot. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice side. It is It is what I'm supposed to do. Um, whenever you think about how you got to where you are or what you want to do next in your career, I'm a, like I said, I'm an overthinker with the best of them. And sometime back, somebody asked me how far back I had been trying to help people in this type of way. 
And at first I went to, well, a few years, you know, five or six years ago, I took my first coaching client. And then it was oh, a couple of years before that I was doing it for free. Well, a few years before that I was managing a team. And I think that managers should help with more than just work task management. You should help with people development, even if it means that they leave your org. But I actually went farther back. I just kept stepping back and stepping back. And I realized that even back when I, as far back as I thought was like college and college where I was the recruitment chair for my sorority and I was the pledge educator for my sorority. And I was constantly trying to get the right people into the right organization and then make sure that they could be successful there. So it's a long, long time coming. And I'm be spending more time doing it. Well, so. We're all on a long journey to get to where we are today. Do you, is your uh, coworker here? All right. Well, my little coworker just came in to get some water, and uh, we are about out of time. So, uh, last question, just to finish things up. Um, I already asked you about actions people can take to take more ownership of their career. But when you yeah. think about this idea of owning your career, um, I like to finish on the question: with, What does that mean to you? What does it mean to you to own your career? Um, it means recognizing that I have more power, or that whoever is is this question is being asked to, you have way more power to influence your professional life than we sometimes let ourselves think we do. That's, that's it. Like you have control over whether you stay in a crap work environment, whether you continue for years and years doing work that you dislike, all of those kinds of things. It can be a very hard path to pivot, but if you do not take the initiative to do it, you're not going to you're not going to make the move and you have a lot more power than you think you do. It is incredible. I, I talked about that all the time and I think it blows people away, but I mean, everything you do is a choice, especially if you live in a democratic country, right? A Western country or even most countries in the world that everything you do is a choice. You don't like your long commute. You don't like your job. You don't like your situation. Like you yeah. put yourself there. You can change it. It's not always easy. In a Facebook live, your life is probably so you can make some moves, you know, right. are, I don't mean to diminish people that truly, truly have um, some dire straits and some, yeah. some really hard issues to work through. But if you're like, a, especially a corporate knowledge worker, which is where a lot of the dissatisfaction is, you know, everybody thinks these, we were raised that these office jobs are like the Holy Grail because they're easy, you know, they're easy. You're not doing manual labor, whatever. But if you're hanging out in the corporate knowledge work world, you have way more power than you think. So I agree. It's a good note to go out on. Yeah. Diana, this is great. Um, for those on LinkedIn, I tagged you in the post. Actually, you're tagged in the Facebook video as well. For anybody that wants to reach out to you for uh, career coaching, where should they go? Oh, yes. Well, I'm actually in the middle of overhauling my website. Me too. <laughs> so it's it's kind of down at the moment. Um, but they can go to dianaalt.com. It's a little bit rudimentary at the moment, or they can reach out to me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'm good with any of that. So Awesome. All right. Find you on LinkedIn and Facebook. Diana, this was yeah. so great. Thank you so much for reaching out. Thanks for coming on and doing yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. We should do this again if you have a hole in your calendar. We'll I agree 100%, and we'll stay connected either way. All right. That was my interview with Diana Alt, all about your career search and really taking a different approach to your career and thinking about getting that next job. I hope it gave you some great things to think about. And of course, if you haven't read my book, that will give you some great things to think about as well. You can not only find out more about my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, but also get free resources, including the five steps to owning your career 
and some questions to ask when you face your next challenge by going to our website, ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus. That's ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.